My name is Wamish Hamilton, and this is Tobacco Nation. Tobacco Nation is a four-part documentary radio series brought to you by the First Nations Health Authority. In each episode, we'll feature stories about tobacco, told by First Nations people living in BC. First Nations people in BC are about twice as likely to smoke as the general population. And when you ask them about smoking, you'll hear stories about colonialism, stories about family, and stories about triumphing over adversity. And these are the stories you're going to hear on this show. First Nations Youth and Tobacco BC's First Nations are a young group. Almost half the population is under 25. This is a great thing. It gives communities energy and signals a bright future. There's no question that this generation of First Nations people will make a real mark on the province and the country. But today's First Nations young people don't have it easy. As we know, trauma has a way of being passed down from generation to generation, and poverty and racism are still real problems. So you might not be surprised to hear that First Nations teenagers are more likely to smoke than others their age. But before you feel too depressed about that, know this, 65% of those young smokers are actively trying to quit, like Alison Carafel. It's just like, you need, you need the cigarette, you need to have a smoke, you need the flavor in your mouth, you need the cigarette between your fingertips and you know, you need to finish the cigarette and then you'll feel better. Allison is 16. She lives in Burnaby. She's originally from Peavine Métis Settlement in Alberta. Allison is trying to quit. Every day, she fights cravings. It's just like one cigarette can do that. Like one cigarette can get rid of the cravings. But every time I get cravings, I'll have a cigarette. And it's just a cycle. This is a battle for the future. And First Nations youth are fighting it. Do you think you could do it? I think I can. If I really put my mind to it, I know I can. Now, we're going to do something a little different. For the next little while, I'm going to hand over hosting duties to our producer, Sam. Hey, Wamish. Now, Sam is here because he's got a story to tell. And that story is about you and your daughter, Jessica. To start the story, we need to go back in time. Our host, Wamish Hamilton, is a young New Chanloth teen. It's the 70s, so he's got bell-bottom jeans and floppy hair. Wamish is not a particularly happy kid. His dad died when he was six, and at that time, there weren't many resources for kids who had lost a parent, especially where Wamish lives, in an economically depressed logging town called Port Alberni. They call themselves the Gateway to Tofino, which is just a fancy name for a place that you turn right and go to Tofino at. For fun, Wamish likes to go to the roller rink and listen to rock albums. He likes Alice Cooper, Van Halen, and the Eagles. Sometimes he also just sits and talks with his stepdad, Arnold. We all remember 
defining moments with our parents or somebody older that has said something that just clicks. In that moment, it just does. The universe aligns, the planets align perfectly, and boom, it's in your memory cell and it's there. For Wamish, that moment comes in grade seven. He's just starting to develop a rebellious streak. I got in an argument with my teacher, and my teacher was uh, an alcoholic, uh, short-tempered. He said in no uncertain terms that if I felt that I knew better, then I could leave his class. And I wasn't going to take guff like that from him or anybody else. So I stormed out of class and marched home. At first, it seems like Wamish is just going to get away with leaving early. But that day, a man dies while logging in Port Alberni. And whenever that happens, all the workers go home out of respect. So Arnold comes home early. And he was standing there wearing his cork boots. He had red suspenders that were hanging down and a lunch kit, gray lunch kit that had a rope for a handle that he slung over his shoulder. And he didn't crack a smile. He didn't look surprised. He looked very stern and very serious when he looked at me and asked, what the hell do you think you're doing home? You get your ass and you get back to school right now. Do you want to end up like me? I'm 55 years old. Look at me. My body's sore. I'm tired, but I have no choice to do what I do. You do. And this message gets lodged in Wamish's brain like a time capsule. It's something he'll never forget. But in this moment, right on the cusp of adolescence, Wamish is just not ready to hear it. Over the next few years, Wamish drops out of school. He starts to steal things. He gets in trouble with the law. But he doesn't drink, do drugs, or smoke. And eventually, Wamish grows out of the rebelliousness. He discovers a passion for journalism, and he starts writing stories for the local paper. It actually turns out he's a really good photographer. When was Jess born? 1996. Can you tell me about that? I, we were living in Alberni, and the second she emerged, the second, I am not kidding, she came out, and it's like she took this big breath. And in the next second, she just <laughs> screamed and raised hell. Um, my name is Jessica Hamilton. Jess, can you describe your fondest memory growing up in Port Alberni? Uh, well, there was a lot of watching TV. Um, occasionally the baking. Baking? Your grandma's baking? Yeah. What would she be baking? Um, near summertime, it would be like her rhubarb crumble. She'd have like a lot of these, I don't know what you call it, like stalks of rhubarb. You know, I was always with her, like ever since I was like a little kid, ever since I could like walk. She lived right next door. I can just go over there and she'd be reading like a newspaper and I'd watch TV and we can just be like that like all day and it wouldn't even matter to me because I really like spending time with her. What was she like as a little kid? Adventurous, bold, unafraid to ask questions, and loving. Loved us, loved her grandmother to pieces. Wamish sees something else in Jess as well, something familiar. Just like her dad, Jess likes to push buttons and test boundaries. And at a really early age, she starts feeling anxious. When I was about seven years old, I had this crazy panic attack that happened in the middle of the night. And it really freaked me out because I woke up and I couldn't breathe at all. And even though, like, I try 
and like inhale like really big like take like a really deep breath but I couldn't because it hurt and I was like screaming and crying on my way to my parents room and that's when they turned on the light and they said something's wrong so they took me to the hospital and my mom told me that I had a panic attack and I'm pretty sure that's when it triggered anxiety so I'd just be anxious about everything after. So Amish spends a lot of time worrying about Jess. Sometimes he stays up all night reading in the living room. And when he does that, he likes to look out the window. And from time to time, I would see groups of kids, teens, at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, walking towards the reserve, drunk. Kids in rural places will tell you, Man, there's nothing else to do. I mean, it's no secret that, you know, a lot of our kids end up in various forms of dysfunction. It's really no fault of their own. And I swore that would never be our kids. I never wanted that to be our kids. So we never drank at home. We never went out. We didn't smoke. We weren't bingo parents or casino parents. We just didn't do any of those things. We didn't want them seeing that. We didn't want them remembering that. So we didn't. But, of course, there's a limit to what you can control as a parent. Jess remembers one day back when she was 11. I was at my friend's house, and she didn't have cable at all, so we usually just, like, went for walks or, you know, went to the gas station and get, like, junk food, or we'd watch movies. But this time, Jess's friend finds a pack of her mom's cigarettes left unattended. And she took one from her mom and she said do you want to try it and I'm like okay who would have been the worst to have seen you smoke my dad okay tell me why why is it the worst for your dad to see you smoke um he's a really serious guy if you're trying to like joke around with him about something and he'll turn it into like a life lesson (laughs) do you remember what smoking the first cigarette was like um it was really gross I got like a really bad headache. I wasn't able to inhale. I felt really sick, I'll just say that. And so, for a little while, Jess happily avoids cigarettes. When Jess is 12, her grandma, Wamisha's mom, passes away. It's the biggest tragedy of her young life. It kind of just felt like, like I was alone. You know, I spent so much time with her that she was gone, so it felt like I had no one. And that really freaked me out. That's when I started doing, like, the rebel against my parents. Over the next few years, Jess fights with her mom and her dad a lot. She sometimes sneaks out of the house at night, and she starts to drink with her friends, and she takes up smoking. She wanted to test boundaries, you know, more so than our previous children. What was that like for you as a parent? Trying, uh, maddening at times. Frustrating. What did you do to try to intervene? Keep her at home or watch her movements closely. But, uh, you know, that's hard because at some point you've got to let a kid out and you've got to let them be that kid. Jess says Wamish is really strict at this time. She remembers one day after a lot of convincing, her parents let her go to a sleepover, but only under the condition that she call once every hour to check in. She says her parents watched her like a hawk but she continues to smoke in secret anyway. She gets her aunt to buy her cigarettes, and she keeps them zipped up in a hidden part of her bag. Just like Wamish, Jess likes to stay up late, and the cigarettes become an important part of her nighttime ritual. ¶¶ 
I'd walk to a 7-Eleven, which is like a 20-minute walk from my house. At like midnight, I'd just sit out front, pretty much right beside the building. Sometimes I'd see the same people come by, people who worked at the fish plant. And so Jess just sits and smokes. Sometimes she listens to Drake on her iPod. It was like really relaxing, you know, that's when I can be really like alone with my thoughts. So I would just sit there and I'd think about whatever came to mind first. I know one night I was just like, man, this is bad because I just bought this pack of smokes earlier this earlier today and they're like almost gone now. Things come to a head when Jess is 16. One night she goes to a party at a friend's house. And my parents were fi- trying to look for me because I told them I was at a friend's place, but when they went there, I wasn't there, and then they started getting worried. So Wamish and his wife drive around the reserve looking for Jess. Eventually, they find a bunch of kids hanging out in front of somebody's house. Wamish pulls the car up close, and he sees Jess out front. She's smoking a cigarette. She's had too much to drink. I just knew. I'm like, I, I, this is it. This is, I got to go home now. I sat in the back, and the whole drive home was just really silent until I got out. And what happened? Chewing out time. Yeah, the big chew out. This is an addiction. You're going to have to deal with it at some point. I'm not going to try to scare you with the health issues or anything like that. At some point, you're going to have to deal with it. And you know what? When you start dealing with it, those demons are going to come calling. Smoking is a hell of a hard thing to quit from what I see. We had like a really big argument and my mom seen how upset I was. So she offered to take me for a walk after I took a, after I took a nap. Jess and her mom head to Victoria Key Boardwalk. Picture a river and boats. There's mountains off in the distance. We just walked along there and we sat on a bench and that's when I told her everything. All the times that I've snuck out and partied. When you, um, when you had this moment with your mom on the boardwalk, um, did it feel like a, a relief? Yeah, it did, because I no longer had to hide those stories. Um, you know, she did ask, how long have you smoked? She was upset about it, you know. Both my parents were, but my dad was more strict about it, and he told me to quit cold turkey. And what was your thought when he said that? Um, I actually did agree with them. Kind of just felt like if I continued, I'd still hurt them. So it was less about you and more about your parents' feelings? Yeah. That week, Jess finishes the pack of cigarettes she has on her, and then she decides to quit. She reads somewhere that you can resist cravings by keeping your mind occupied. So whenever she feels like smoking, she reads the Twilight series over and over. And then one day, Jess wakes up and thinks, I'm 18. It's been two years since I smoked my last cigarette. In 2014, Jess graduates from high school. There's a nice picture of Wamish hugging her as she walks off the stage. Jess is wearing a fancy dress. She has a big, beaming smile. And Wamish looks really proud of her. He tells her, relish this moment. The future, the world is hers. The the world's hers. You know, whatever future she chooses, whatever she chooses to do, it's all up to her. And there's nothing that can stop her. I mean, she's channeling that boundary testing, that uh, rebelliousness. It's an energy, right? But now she's channeling it positively, but not dysfunctionally. 
After Jess's graduation, the family moves to Vancouver. Jess likes it in Vancouver. She gets a job as a cashier at a restaurant on campus. And when she turns 19, her mom takes her shopping. Me and my mom, we went to Capilano Mall. She went to go grocery shopping in Walmart, and I just said, I'll be right back. So I went to this place. It's like one of those really tiny stores you see in malls that sell, like, candy and magazines. And I walked in there, and I said, can I get um, regular Canadian classics? So why did she do this? Jess doesn't really know. She knew that they were going to drive to the mall, and she also knew that she wanted to buy cigarettes, just because she could. She remembers the lady staring at her ID for a while. Then all of a sudden, she smiles and says, happy birthday. Jess sneaks out behind the mall near a white spot and smokes her first cigarette in two and a half years. She continues to smoke cigarettes in secret every day. Just recently, I went to the optometrist. I had this paperwork I had to fill out. And on the top of the form, there's a section where you need to fill in your family medical history. Jess asks her mom to help with that part. So I gave it to her, and she was reading it. And one of the questions were, do you smoke? And she looked at me. She kind of had, like, this smile, this, like, smirk on her, and she circled yes. Wamish has talked with Jess about smoking a couple of times since the optometrist's office, and he says he doesn't do it in the same way that he used to. No more laying down the law. No more serious chewing out. I realized that I was dealing with a young adult, not a kid. So I started dealing with her as a young adult. And that at least to me, seem to have changed things. This is adult life, and this is serious. And that's a hard addiction to kick, but you'll find out. You know, I'm actually still surprised at how my dad's reaction was. I mean, he only, like, calmly talks about it. I'd understand him getting mad at me when I was younger. I mean, I was, like, 16 and younger smoking. Like, understand why he would get mad, you know. He doesn't want me to start experiencing that at such a young age, whereas now I'm an adult, so it's different. Do, do you still think that they were too strict, or do you think that they, you know, that they were doing the right thing? They were doing the right thing. I've always thought that. Right now, quitting smoking isn't a big priority for Jess. Instead, she's thinking about going to school to become a healthcare assistant. She remembers times when her mom cared for her grandma, and sometimes Jess would tag along. She liked feeling helpful. She still feels guilty about smoking from time to time, but it's always because of how her parents feel about it. And Wamish knows that's only going to take her so far. She needs to quit because she wants to kick the shit. And that's really what it boils down to. When you want to do something, you do it for you. You don't do it for me. You don't do it for your mom. It has to come from within. Otherwise, it's got no meaning and it won't hold. So you have a 20-year-old daughter now, and she smokes. You also at one point had a 13-year-old daughter who was smoking. Yeah. For the parents who have just opened their daughter's bag and found the cigarettes there, what's the advice? Sit and think. I mean, go through the natural reactions before you talk to them. Let all the emotion get out of you as much as it can get out of you. Don't pull out the Bible. Don't pull out statistics. You know, that's a kid's just going to stare right through you. And if you're lucky, you know, politely drone you out. You're going to have headaches. You're going to have heartaches. You're going to have to put up with eye rolling and impatience and that kind of thing. But you know what? Stay the course and stay steady. And don't ever stop loving them. 
I love you and I will love you forever and I will never stop loving you and that's why I'm never going to stop talking to you. Jess still hasn't quit smoking, but First Nations kids quit every day. Each year in BC, between 1 and 2,000 First Nations attend the annual Gathering Our Voices Youth Conference. This past year in Victoria, more than 200 young people committed to being smoke-free. If your kid smokes and you want to know how to support them, you can go to quitnow.ca and look for resources for friends and family. There's some good stuff there. And now I'm going to hand it back to you, Wamish. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. You are listening to Tobacco Nation. I'm Wamish Hamilton. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Tobacco Nation. I'm Wamish Hamilton. Today's show is about Indigenous youth and their struggles with smoking. Since you started smoking, like, did you notice any sort of health problems? Definitely, definitely. I noticed um, it was a lot, like, I was becoming a lot short of breath sometimes. Like, it was harder for me to breathe and also coughing. This is Darius Smallboy. He spoke with our producer, Alex. I had a really bad cough whenever I got a cold or just in general, sometimes I would cough. Darius is 17. He's Cree, and he lives in Vancouver, where he's attending high school. How did, how did that, like, affect your life? Uh, I think girls were really grossed out by me. <laughs> yeah, girls didn't like being around me because I was always hucking up, like, yellow stuff and, like, dark yellow, brownish Yeah, that's, that's nasty. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> Is there, like, a particular story that you remember about, like, being around a girl and... And, like, uh, her being grossed out by that? This one time, um, I had a mohawk, and it was quite long. And a lot of girls like to braid my hair because I have, like, super straight hair because I'm native. Yeah. And we were outside. I was having a cigarette. This girl was braiding my hair, and I was, like, in the middle of my cigarette, and I hucked a loogie, and she just kind of stopped braiding my hair. She's like, ew, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you had a good thing going, and you ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that experience is just one of the reasons Darius decided he wanted to stop smoking so much. Now Darius has weaned himself down to one or two smokes a month. He says the girls much prefer that. Quitting smoking is tough. But what about never starting in the first place? In some ways, that problem is just as difficult to solve. Right now, we're sitting in the waiting room of a counseling service called Watari. This is where many of Vancouver's serious drug users go to get help. It's one of the most important community hubs in the city. Heather Scarf and Sidney Crosby both work there. They are both counselors and both First Nations. They met our producer, Sam, in their office. It's pretty bumping out there. There's a lot of people hanging out and seem like there's a lot of socializing. Is that pretty? Nor- is that a, like a pretty normal experience for what that, that front area would look like? Well, we always have the coffee pot on and we have as many treats as we can um, donated from bakeries, like muffins, slices of cakes or whatever. It also seems like there are nice lemon squares out today, just for context. Exactly. So, yeah, we keep that all, that we try to keep that plate full. Sydney helps people 
who already have drug, alcohol, and tobacco addictions. And he travels around Vancouver's elementary schools to talk to kids about drugs. This is called early childhood prevention. And it's probably the most important thing we can do to combat addiction. I used to be an, a residential school survivor counselor and that I think a lot of times with the client, the older First Nations clients that I have, a lot of times what they want is just to be heard. Mm -hmm. And just to be heard without judgment, with compassion and with kindness. And I think that for me is, is a huge piece that if they could have when they were a lot younger to have that piece, it would have made a huge difference. So I want to talk a little bit about parenting. So a, a, a lot of First Nations parents will probably be listening to this program. And some of the people we've already featured on the show, they have struggled at one point or another on how to talk with their kids about their smoking, sometimes quite young, you know, 13, 12, 13 year olds who are starting to smoke and wondering, how do I talk to a kid about this without turning them off or seem, seeming authoritative in a way that is counterproductive? From your point of view, do you have any advice for, for a parent who might be in that situation right now? I'll talk from my own experience being a parent. I always told my daughter, you know, I, I can't stop you from trying anything or doing anything. Um, when it comes to drugs or tobacco, I don't condone it whatsoever, but I, I'm open to talking to you about it. And in particular about tobacco, I told her, I said, man, once you start, sometimes you just can't quit. I said, it's one of the, the hardest addictions to get over and to stop. I said, so it's your choice. I'm not condoning you smoking, but if that's what you're gonna do, then be prepared. It's gonna be tough if you wanna stop. Well, we have almost come to the end of our four-part series. I hope that you have enjoyed going on this journey with us. But before we say goodbye, there's one more person I want you to meet. I'm Jay Morven, J-A-Y-M-O-R-V-E-N. Jay is 24. He's a Nishka guy living in Vancouver, and he's a Nishka cultural dancer. When Jay was 16, he started smoking. After nine months of smoking, Jay says he noticed he couldn't dance like he used to. Yeah, so we have uh, our Hobie every February. It's, it's our Nishka New Year. When halfway into that, I I could not dance anymore. I felt my lungs like were going to collapse, and it felt like hell kind of clicked in right, right there. I'm like, that's one of the times where I realized I was an actual smoker like it was, it was like click bam oh yeah and yeah your lungs are screwed that's when jay started to realize he had to quit and eventually he quit it took a few years but he did it what did it feel like when you cultural danced after you quit oh i can go like i felt like i felt like heaven i was just going 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 um yeah, it, was, it felt, felt so good, so good. I think this is a good time to say, if you are listening to this right now and you're a smoker, maybe you thought about quitting a lot 
Maybe you have had a bad experience with doctors and hospitals, like Teresa from our first episode. Maybe you have a family member who smoked and paid the price for it, like Randall in episode two. Maybe you lost sight of your priorities, like Paula in episode three. Whatever the case, now is the best time to do something about it. Talk to someone you trust about quitting. There's a lot of resources you can use. Check out the First Nations Health Authority's Tobacco Timeout Challenge. It's a 24-hour quit challenge taking place on the first Tuesday of every month. Sign up at tobaccotimeout.ca, quit for 24 hours, and be entered to win a $250 cash prize. You can also call the Quit Now Helpline for free 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The number, one 877 455-2233 or you can reach them online at quitnow.ca by searching Quit Now on Facebook. If you like today's show, we have produced six other episodes about smoking. You can listen to all of them for free right now at www.fnha.ca My name is Wamish Hamilton. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.